0: Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. It's time now for our Sunday morning discussion, and we're focusing on the issues at Eskom. And remember, our talking point this morning, are you convinced that the current government action to deal with the electricity crisis will deliver improved power supply in the near future? Of course, there's been a lot to talk about here. There's been so much that has you know, been talked about, has been put in place. Are you convinced that this is enough to put more power on the grid Get us out of the woods, engage with us then, and give us your thoughts. And, and of course, as we are then getting into our discussion, we're also still staying with this issue. Electricity Minister Josienzo Ramukhopa saying ESKIM will spend about 30 billion Rand in the current financial year as it tries to mitigate the severity of load shedding. Now, during a media briefing on Friday, Ramukhopa said the demand is expected to increase by between 32,000 megawatts to 37,000 megawatts in winter. Meanwhile, the North Gauteng High Court made a ruling that all hospitals, clinics, schools and police stations should be spared from electricity disruptions. Now, Judge Norman Davis ordering the public Minister the, the Minister of Public Enterprises, Pravin Gordon, to take all reasonable steps, this is within 60 days, to ensure that public health establishments, state schools and the South African Police Service are not affected by load shedding. Let's now speak to CEO of South African Oil and Gas Alliance, Craig Mockel, who joins us on the line, as well as the South African Federation of Trade Unions. Staff to uh, General Secretary Zuelin Zimavavi. Good morning to you both. All right. We will have just in a moment Zuelin Zimavavi. Craig, let's start with you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Let's start with your reaction to the ruling that was made by the North Gauteng High Court.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the big question we need to ask ourselves is whether or not that judgment represents judicial overreach or whether it is uh, absolutely necessary to assert and and, and you know uh, 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 support the rights of people to uh, this basic service we know as electricity Uh, the schools and hospitals um, uh, are understood Uh, the police stations um, on their own um, of course they do contribute to security but there are uh, communities where public lighting is vital for safety and uh, so uh, i'm surprised that the judge didn't further extend this right uh, to electricity, to public lighting, and other uh, uh, measures that, that that contribute to safety, mm. where electricity is needed. So I'm, I'm quite surprised about uh, just the third aspect that is only focused on uh, the the police stations and not broader safety uh, that depends on electricity, including public lighting. Uh, especially in, in densely populated communities, yeah. you know.
0: Mm, mm. Mm, and, mm, and I do mm, understand mm. that we now have uh, the Saftus General Secretary, Zwelinzima Zimavavi. And I'll come back to that point, Craig, in just a moment because it's, it is quite crucial. Vavi, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, you must be pleased with the court's ruling.
2: Very pleased, very happy. And uh, justice has been served and justice has been seen to be done It can make no sense whatsoever that this government has for 15 years not seen a reason to prioritize uh, exemption at least from this uh, load shedding disaster of these basic and most essential services that we should be providing to the most vulnerable members of our societies in hospitals, at the police stations, and in the public schools. And uh, it's embarrassing that we needed to have to go to to court to force the government to uh, basically live by the spirit of the Constitution and uh, of the Republic, a Constitution which is itself a product of the sweat, the tears, the suffering, the sacrifices of uh, ordinary people in this country. So we're quite happy. That they are now going to be forced to uh, exempt these uh, three—at least the first three—and then we will wait for the second round of the ruling about whether the judges will agree with us that this, that the, the the electricity is a basic human right and that no one should be uh, willingly be excluded from uh, assessing that basic human right, and that is going to be even bigger.
0: Mm, I suppose, especially as, as Craig was saying um, a little earlier on, that this also looks at you know some of the densely populated parts in, 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 in our country, especially from a safety perspective, given what we've seen unfolding there.
2: Look at the, what we have been complaining about we have been saying that the criminals do have the schedule of load shedding for each and every suburb, every township and rural area. And they operate within those hours. And in the the cover of darkness, they target homes. And that's uh, reflected in the statistics of Africa. If you look at them, they say that uh, 549 homes get raided by criminals, most of it during the cover of darkness, and six people get uh, taken into hostage inside their own homes. And, uh, of course, we know that 135 women get raped every single day in South Africa, and 82 people get killed every single day. Now, you can't, facing those type of statistics, uh, get uh, a court to to agree with you that uh, it is co- it is okay that we can continue with load shedding at the uh, police stations for 15 mm. years. Mm. And so we're so happy that uh, the court has made the ruling. And, uh, and we want to make an appeal to government. We're making this appeal to government. Don't even bother appealing because, what are you going to say to our people next year during the elections campaign? That and you it, went to court to appeal yeah. that they should have no access to electricity in their police stations, schools, and hospitals.
0: And especially I think about, you know, on Friday talking to various community members who were talking about, you know, even saying when they get to police stations, they are asked to wait outside before you report a matter, especially if it's load shedding, because the police are saying there are also other safety aspects and safety concerns. Craig, when we come back, I want us to look at, you know, this 30 billion rand that they're talking about when it comes to the diesel spend to try and make sure that the lights stay on. What does it mean? At a practical level, and how much then are we, you know, spending on diesel per day um, as far as ESKIM is concerned to be able to keep the lights on? But let's pause for a second and I'll come back with that in just a moment. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. You're listening to The Weekend View. My name is Bongi Wazwani. Thank you so much for staying with us. We are still speaking to the CEO of uh, South African Af- uh, South African Oil and Gas Alliance, uh, Craig Mockle, and uh, South African Federation of Trade Unions, uh, General Secretary Zulidza Mavavi. Just before we go back to our conversation, some of your tweets this morning, Sia Bonga saying, um, I'm not convinced at all, and now I even doubt our cap- capability to govern as black people. And Bramoro saying, I will rather be convinced that Adazwane is likely to win a trophy for Kaiser Chiefs than the ANC resolving the energy crisis. The least government could have done long ago was purchasing the car power ship that could have resolved the crisis but instead dot 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 and SMS is not at all. There goes the newly appointed Minister of Electricity failing a dismally exemption approach is all doom and gloom. That's Willie in Kuma and uh, I'll come back to you uh, Craig. One of the things that we've seen. I mean, the electricity minister talking about the, you know, burning diesel, 30 billion rand being spent on, on, on diesel. What does this mean then on, on how much diesel we burn per day?
1: Yeah, so if, if we take into account that in the financial year last year, or for a significant portion of the calendar year last year, my apologies, uh, ESCOM spent 10.6 billion rand on diesel and uh, it helped right the question then is uh, has the coal fleet become that bad in terms of its energy availability factor that uh, they foresee as escom that they will need to spend three times more uh, than they did last year uh, last year's calendar year and that seems to be the case mm-hmm. but the question is perhaps um, Uh, 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 Leaving out an important aspect here, diesel has a particular price. Those open cycle gas turbines that they want to uh, supply the diesel to can now technically also run on gas, right? Uh, They have been converted to run on both diesel and gas. And that conversion is done and ready. Uh, But the fuel supply is only diesel at present. ESCOM has put out a tender for gas supply to both Ankerlich and Chorikwa, the two large peaking stations, the gas turbine peaking stations. But they've made a fundamental mistake in that tender that they put out for gas. Because gas can be bought on either a short-term basis or a long-term basis. Short-term being less than three years, and long-term being anything beyond five years. They've gone for beyond five years, but they've not made a commitment to a steady demand for gas. In other words, they expect that it will go up and down, up and down, and that will increase the price of gas as if it were uh, uh, short-term contracts. And those are expensive. Just to give you an example, a study done by uh, dynamic energy consultants, one Daryl Hunt, on ESCOM's fuel consumption and costs last year, indicates that ESCOM spent the 10.6 billion rand on diesel that I mentioned, mm-hmm. but if it if it had bought gas last year on a short term basis, that bill would have gone up to 15.8 billion Rand. But if it bought the same gas, the same substance, the same molecules on a different contract basis, on a long-term contract basis beyond five years, it would have spent only 7.6, and I'm sorry to use the word only, 7.6 billion Rand. So, Eskom would have saved 3 billion Rand last year if it had switched from diesel to gas. Now, one is not saying don't use the diesel, and you cannot switch over to gas immediately, because you need to bring it in through the port. Uh, you need to transport it from the port uh, to to Atlantis in Cape Town, where Uncle is, and probably via Koecher um, um, to 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 Mossel Bay, because the port of Mossel Bay uh, is too small to receive a large. Uh, LNG Carrier. Now, these kinds of things fail in the detail. Good intentions and, you know, a, a, a desperate need to keep the, uh, the, the lights on. But we seem to fail when it comes to technical expertise. Um, not necessarily within ESCOM. Uh, most uh, 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 companies who deal with gas are not experts in gas themselves. And there are international experts that have done this before, would tell you this very basic challenge that you would face if you cannot guarantee steady demand to in order to keep your price as low as possible over mm. the long term. And that that to me is a key thing that, that we're missing here.
2: Mm.
1: Diesel supply is also going to affect now those very schools, hospitals, and police stations, because how can you, within 60 days, put up solar PV panels all over the country? And uh, so we know that, uh, you know, commercial facilities, industrial facilities, have been using generators that run on diesel. That might be the solution in the short term. But in the long term, the cheaper and cleaner option... Uh, the alternative to diesel is gas, and uh, these can coexist. They can be dual fuel, as in the case with ESCOM. So, but w- we need to look at this not only from the financial point of view,
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, and not only the technical, but also the contracting. How does one contract this and what are the cost implications mm. of that? And and we need to get down to that level, you know.
0: Yeah, and and, and I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But I'd like to get to, uh, Mr. Vavi's thoughts on what you've just said, because it, it's quite crucial as it ties into, you know, the ruling, because it's 60 days that they, they, they have from the date Of, you know, the the, the ruling in and itself for you, Mr. Favi, how concerned are you that they'll be able to do this in the time that the court has, in fact, given them? And, and, And also when you think about, you know, some questions that are being raised around the sustainability of this amount of money that is now going to be spent burning diesel.
2: They have to do it, and they they have no option this time around. They have had 15 years to do something about load shedding, and worst of all, to protect the most vulnerable, uh, most basic services uh, that our people are entitled to uh, in terms of the Constitution. I don't think that's an impossible task. Not all of the hospitals have no generators of their own, so they're going to have to make sure that... uh, those generators have enough stock of diesel to run not every clinic have no uh, has uh, no uh, alternative to escom no every police station uh, some police stations do have generators already what we they they need is to do what they promised south africa uh, at the state of the nation address and through the minister of electricity that they're going to be speeding up the process of ensuring that uh, they, they, they have a, a solar panel for each and every home in South Africa. If you remember, the Housing mm. premier made this uh, commitment mm. when he did her own provincial state of the nation address. All we need now is, okay, you have made this promise. Can you prioritize the hospitals, the police stations, and all of the schools in South Africa, so that we can guarantee the future of our children, so that we can make sure that when women call the police station, they are not being told that the, the police station was forced to close at eight o'clock because the police themselves fear that they are being targeted by criminals in the in the, in the cover of the dark. So that the kids who are submitted, who are sorry, who are admitted in hospitals, do not get told that sorry we have to uh, let go of your loved one because there was no electricity here. We got hit two, four hours of load shedding And that's all we are asking of the government to do. You said every house will have a solar panel. Fine, we, actually, we, we welcome that. But can you prioritize the schools, the hospitals, and the police stations? And then thereafter, you can do all of the homes as you promised.
0: And, and I'd like us then to, to look at some of the, you know, the measures that have been, you know, that they're trying to put in place in order to ensure that you, in, in, in the long run, we do have additional power added to the grid. But just before we, we, we take a breather, let's look at this particular SMS from Ish saying a decade of methodical sabotage of ESCAM infrastructure retar- retarded our capability in deviously irreversible ways that just happened to to expedite the Green New Deal and, 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 and you know when we then continue with this conversation I'd like us to look at something that um, you know has been said by the electricity minister the purchasing of this uh, second hand generator this 15 year old generator from the Netherlands um, you know whether or not its capacity is enough to, to, to add you know um, t- just to aid us in where we find ourselves and even this pushback back um, to the, de- 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 the decommissioning of some of the Coal power stations. Are we postponing the inevitable as a country at the same time looking at the decision now to put, um, you know, the SANDF um, right at the coal uh, the, the power stations for an additional six months? Can this help? Because we've seen some issues of sabotage at Eskom. So we come back with all of that and more in just a moment. Sunday morning discussion on weekend. you <laughs> Let's pick up our Sunday morning discussion then as we continue to look at the issues around Eskom and the ongoing power crisis. Still in conversation with Craig mockle the CEO of South African Oil and Gas Alliance, as well as the South African Federation of Trade Unions, General Secretary Zorinzi Malvavi. And uh, Craig, one of the things that, you know, a number of people have been puzzled by um, has been the, um, you know, the process of buying this 15 years old secondhand generator from the Netherlands and a number of people asking just how much life spent does it still have but the minister saying that this might just be one of those best options to uh, explore right now do we know the capacity of this particular generator and just how much power would it be able to produce to to, to help you know further help us in this uh, load shedding crisis.
1: Uh, unfortunately, I'm not aware of the details of this particular generator. But in principle, I think we need to consider that we are at war with load shedding. It's mm. wartime, and all solutions should be considered. Mm. All solutions, including partnership, including you know any anything that can put electrons on the grid. Right now, we are facing a winter in which load shedding is expected to get worse than it is already. It's, it's, it's too ghastly to contemplate. And and we need to really consider that we are at war with load shedding here. And, and every solution that could possibly keep the lights on should be considered. Now, you know, energy security uh, is only one of three or four key imperatives. The other one, is affordability. The third one is environmental uh, sustainability. And so the ideal would be to go for the cleanest, most secure or reliable and affordable solutions. But if we're going to import everything, um, I think uh, as South Africans, we need to ask ourselves, what can we manufacture or assemble locally? We need to ask, what jobs can we create during this or through this crisis, so that we can assemble like we do motor vehicles uh, in South Africa, top brands are being assembled here, and we can do that. Then we can assemble the components that we need for generation, as well. We need to consider this because importing something uh, is is is, uh, is is a short-term solution, but in the medium to long term. We need to start reindustrializing our country. We we actually also at war with unemployment, uh, you know, poverty and inequality. That, that that is the the war that we must still fight, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, and 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 that is and that is definitely the truth. And I mean, you think about just how the number of young people who are unemployed continues to rise. But just before we end off our conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the clock. Derevavi, let's talk about you know the decision to extend. Um, you know, the, 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 the putting of the SANDF um, members at various power stations to safeguard, of course, the infrastructure, as we've seen some of what has been happening there. In in, in, in the previous term, it's been done now, extended for six months. Has it yielded any result you've seen tangible and and, and, and an extension for six months? How do you respond to that?
2: No, we welcome the extension. Clearly, there's something that the government is unable to find out as to what is happening and who is behind the sabotage of the of these uh, power stations and infrastructure of The Government didn't find out who was behind the burning of the drains in the Western Cape and the destruction of the rail infrastructure in Khayelitsha and in the I'm sorry, the Western Cape and Khayelitsha. And that's the state of affairs, Bongwe Our government can't find out, doesn't have the intelligence capacity anymore, to find out who is uh, behind the sabotage program and who are benefiting from it. And uh, is it uh, about aiming at uh, discrediting the government, collapsing the state, or is it uh, interested parties who want to eliminate uh, competition? and imposing themselves as the only solution, and uh, to transport, for example, in the Western Cape and then counting who benefits from the extraction of this infrastructure. So the extension, the, the, the extension of that uh, term for another six months is welcome. as uh, But it cannot just be about uh, we have soldiers. It must be about where is the long-term solution in terms of uh, the intelligence. To find out who is uh, driving this campaign, and uh, just on the issue of the gas, uh, and, and uh, may I just say that we must be careful that we do not, in the alternative to Eskom, launch ourselves into other unsustainable uh, alternatives that are going to find us in the wrong side of our move towards ensuring that South Africa uses less uh, fossil fuels and that it is using uh, cleaner energies and it is able to uh, live to the commitment that it has made to South Africans and to the rest of the of the world communities in terms of ensuring that we drive a just transition towards uh, the renewables that are proven to be reliable safe and, uh, but more importantly, environmentally sound. Yeah.
0: And and, and I do hope uh, we get to pick up this conversation uh, just again, because that's a very crucial point. And and, and what does the Justin transition then look like? And I'm sure Craig has a lot to say on that one. And and, and given the fact that, you know, we even are looking at the possibility of some coal power stations being decommissioned. What does this look like in the practical sense of it? So I've signaled to to the team that, you know, we must have this conversation one more time. But thank you so much to you both this morning. Um, That is uh, the CEO of uh, South African Oil and Gas Alliance, uh, Craig Mockle, and South African Federation of Trade Unions, uh, uh, General Secretary Zuelin Zimavavi. And that wraps up the Weekend View this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a lovely day.